The Adam Crowley Show. Oh, I like him. <laughs> He's a handsome guy. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. Joining us today on the program, in studio via the telephone, all the way from the lovely state of Washington, it's Dale Lawley. Dale, first thing for you here, this has been burning a hole through my britches all weekend. Do you find Minnie Mouse sexually attractive? It depends on how much I've had to drink. I have to say I love that answer. Hey, I got another one for you. F1, marry one, kill one. Minnie Mouse, Jessica Rabbit, or Goofy? Well, I, I don't even know what to say to that. I'll field that Jessica, one for you then, Jessica Dale. Jessica Rabbit's hot. Jessica she Rabbit's is. Hot. Here's what I would do, though. She's not bad. She's just drawn that way. I'd bang Minnie Mouse. I definitely would kill Jessica Rabbit. And then I would have to say I'd marry Goofy, because I think that guy just makes me laugh. Hey, Dale, watch out for that dog, Goofy. He's a real kook, man. Your wife married Goofy. Hey, that's all the time we have today on the program. Thanks for joining us, Dale. Adam, back to you. Yeah, Dale, I'm sorry about that. He just keeps turning on the microphone. Well, you know, I'm a big Harry Carey fan, and that guy sounds nothing like him. Whoa! Whoa! That is Harry Carey. What do you mean it sounds nothing like? We called him back from the grave just for the show. You know, I, I once uh, was watching a game. Uh, turned on the TV, and the uh, Harry Carey's on. Uh, turned on W, what is it, W-O-R or W-G-N back in the day? It's W-G-E-N. There you go. So I turned it on. Harry Carey is going on for about 15 minutes. He had just seen the television series Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> And spent 15 minutes talking about how attractive Sarah Michelle Geller was. Hey, Dale, that's Sarah Michelle Geller. She's quite a looker, huh? She'll drive a stake right through your heart. <laughs> it was just mesmerizing. Dale, I wanted to thank you for saving my ass the other night whenever I had to do that mock draft. How did Josh Allen last to the 28th pick? Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, I did a mock draft with Skippy and the Pete, or whoever the hell it was, the <laughs> national show here uh, on ESPN, and they brought in beat writers and radio hosts. I don't know how the Apparently hell they... brought in a bunch of idiots. They did. That's how I got picked. Including you. Yes, which is why I called you. Dale, I had just picked up my dog's poop. I had crap all over my thumb because I didn't do a very good job of it. And there I, I am. I, that wasn't that had nothing to do with your dog. Hey, I had five <laughs> minutes. That's a good line by you. To figure out who the hell they were going to draft, who the hell had been drafted, and I had to wash my hands. So I said, "I'm going to call Lolly." And you said, "I can't believe these Nimrods still had Josh Allen around at 28." <laughs> God. Seriously, the Steelers. Kevin Colbert would run himself. He would he would he would be like Forrest Gump running to to Dallas to get that pick in. Only he'd do it much faster than Forrest Gump. Yeah, Gump not the fastest guy, and Kevin's down a few pounds, so I think he would beat the time of one Gump to Dallas. 
Who do you think is going to be around for the Steelers? Give me a couple of names, a couple of options who might be sitting there when the Steelers pick at 28. I really think it's going to be Jesse Bates from uh, the, the corner or the safety from uh, Wake Forest or Justin Reed, the safety from uh, Stanford. I, I just don't see Leighton Vander Esch or Rashawn Evans falling to the Steelers at 28. I think they would like that to happen if they had their choice, but it's just not going to happen. Picking at 28 is really difficult. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of other teams that go ahead of you, and it's just it only takes one team to – fall in love with one of those guys. And I know people are talking about, and they've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, you know, well, Leighton Vander Esch has a, uh, a neck issue. Okay, but the Steelers don't feel it's going to be a problem. I find it hard to believe that they would be the only team out there that doesn't feel that's going to be a problem. Um, so, you know, I, I, I just don't see either one of those two guys falling. I just went through from last year, uh, I didn't think last year that T.J. Watt would fall to the Steelers at twenty. At, uh, what were they at thirty? Um, but the difference is last year he was the eighth outside linebacker slash uh, edge rusher to go in that draft. There aren't going to be that many outside no. linebackers slash edge rushers slash inside linebackers selected in this year's draft. There just aren't that many of them. So I think I think it pushes those other guys up. Who do you think's better, Evans or Vanderesh? I think Vanderesh Van is the better overall. I think he has more potential. Let's put it that way. I think right now Evans might be the better player, but I think in three years Vanderesh is going to be the uh, the better player. He just has so much more athletic ability. Dale Lawley joining us, DKPittsburghSports.com, here on the Crowley Show. Inside linebacker to me is their biggest need. Uh, you said that you don't think either of those guys are going to be there. In terms of need, how would you rank, let's say, the top four for the Steelers? Well, I think inside linebackers is probably their top need. I would put safety second. Um, after that, I would say outside linebacker would probably be third. And then I think, you know, then then you start getting into some areas. I think they could maybe use another wide receiver. They could use another offensive lineman. You can always use those guys. Um, I don't think, you know, people, I see people keep listing cornerback as a yeah. need, and I just don't see that. Um, you know, unless they're really intent on moving Cameron Sutton to safety, uh, they've already got five cornerbacks on their roster who are definitely going to make this team. Where does he, where's the, the first round or second or third round draft pick come in and who's he push off the roster? Brian Allen? No, that's not going to happen. They don't want that to happen, certainly. Yeah, they, they certainly so they're not going to allow it to happen. Yeah. Right. So why why bring in a body when you can bring in someone from somewhere else? You know, I, I think ideally the Steelers go and they get, let's say, Justin Reed in the first round of this draft. Uh, in the second round, maybe they get Jannard uh, Avery from Memphis. Uh, he's a linebacker. He's kind of an inside-outside linebacker type, kind of like the, you know Van Der Esch and Evans, a guy who can play inside or outside. And then, you know, they can decide from there whether where they want to play him and if they want to go get another linebacker, do that in maybe the fifth round. Dale, the Steelers always seem to find a wide receiver. They seem to always surprise people when they do that. So I'm not going to be surprised this time around. Will I be right to not be surprised? Yeah, I think they take one at some at some point. Um, you know, this is there. There aren't these star quality receivers in this draft, but there's guys that can come in and help you. And I think you know we've seen them kind of take those big size 
speed kind of guys, you know, in the middle rounds and, and turn them into something. Dale, as for the outside linebackers that the Steelers do have on their roster, they picked up the option fifth year for Bud Dupree. Is that something that you would have done? And how do you think he's come along in his career thus far? Well, I think, I mean, you were there the night that they drafted him. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of the pick then. And no, they turned you your know, mic off at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. <laughs> they were throwing things at you. You know, he he still has. You see the potential. You see the ability. Uh, we haven't seen all the results. That being said, you pick up the option on him because it doesn't cost you anything now. I mean, it, it cost them zero dollars right now to pick up that option. Now next year it does, but. You know, if he doesn't play up to his, you know, what they think he can be, they're not going to pay him $9 million next year. If he goes out and has another six-sack season, that's just not going to happen. So they pull the, you know, they would pull the tag on him or pull the uh, the offer and move on. Maybe try to sign him to a, a cheaper deal or something like that. But they're not going to pay him $9 million if he goes out and has another year like he did last year. Dale, I think you and I are on the same page with running back. I would not take one that you think can be the guy until next year. If you want to take one in the fourth or fifth round to add to your depth, I get it, but I probably wouldn't take one before then. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, he, you're paying Le'Veon Bell $14.5 million this year. You know that. You know that for a fact. So why would you go out and then draft, uh, say, Darius Geis in the first round to, quote-unquote, give him some seasoning or whatever? His seasoning is going to be standing on the, on the sidelines watching Le'Veon Bell run up and down the field and touch the ball 450 times because that's what you're paying him all that money for. You can get a back like they did with Le'Veon Bell, draft him, plug him in, play him, and, and move on. That's, that's one of the easiest positions uh, to, to pick up from college to pros. You know, the, only, the biggest uh, difference is, is learning how to uh, do the, you know, pick up uh, protections and so those kind of things. Um, but just, you know, the running of the ball, that's, you know, you could get anybody. I mean, that's fear. <laughs> if guys are chasing you, you're going to run real fast and try to run away from them. Holy cow, I had never thought of it that way. Dale Lawley from DKPittsburghSports.com joining us here on the Crowley Show. Dale, how much better right now, before the draft, is the Steelers' defense than it was when they played the Jacksonville Jags? Oh, I think it's I think it's much better than what it was then, and I think they'll continue to get better. Um, you know, the, the whole injury with Ryan Shazier happened, what, three weeks before the playoffs, four weeks before the playoffs. They didn't have a lot of time to adjust, and they didn't have anybody on the on the roster capable of even coming close to to uh, stepping in for Ryan Shazier. We talked about it in training camp mm-hmm. last year, that they didn't have a guy capable of stepping in and filling in for that guy. Um, so... I think now you have more time to adjust your defense to knowing that you're not going to have him. Um, you know, it allows you to scheme things up differently uh, than when you had Ryan Chazier for 13 weeks of a season. Um, so I think they're going to be better. I think Morgan Burnett should be an upgrade over what they had at free safety last year. And, and you know, the the guy, the young guys, the Artie Burns is in those, and Javon Hargraves uh, are another year older and should be better. How big of a fan are you of the draft? I know you put in a lot of homework, Dale. I know you know your stuff. That's why it's going to be so easy for me whenever I sit there from 9 until midnight on Friday just lobbing you guys softballs that you're going to crush out of the ballpark. But how much do you enjoy it, in, or do you wait for it to be over? Well, I enjoy the process. Um, 
but you do like it to be over. I, you know, you want to move on to the next portion of the season. Um, you know, everything's kind of like you take it in steps. And so the draft is the next step. I, I enjoy the process of leading up the draft. I enjoy learning about new guys. Um, and then you get to talk to those new guys and move on to the season. I mean, the season is what we all cover this for. Uh, the draft is just a part of that. You know, it's all about those 16 games. Who's your favorite quarterback in this class? Uh, that's a tough one. You know, they, they all have their warts. I, I think if, if, if I had to make the first pick, uh, or if I had my choice of these guys, uh, you know, I'm probably taking Baker Mayfield. Yes! Uh, size be damned. Yes! Uh, you know, that guy's, that guy's a leader. The, the, the teammates play for him. He can make all the throws. He makes plays. I, you know, I, I think he's a pretty good quarterback. I think so, too, and I did watch him torch West Virginia a couple of times, <laughs> so of course I have to say that, but I love what he brings to the table, and a lot of people look at his demeanor and they say, oh, we don't want that guy. I could not disagree more. I love the demeanor. I love, and you got to tone it down a little bit in the NFL, but I love him grabbing his crotch and pumping up the crowd and smacking his defensive backs on the back. I love that stuff. I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be a, I, I, people try to compare him to Johnny Manziel. He is so much more polished than Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel is a guy who just threw the ball up and hoped that Mike Evans went and got it. Um, you saw that he would just run around and, and, you know, you could tell he didn't study. Uh, he, he was out partying all night. Baker Mayfield's a football player. Um, I, you know, yeah, he's a little short and, and, and that may push him down in some people's eyes, but I think he could end up being the best quarterback of this class. Awesome stuff, Dale. Love it, man. We'll talk to you tomorrow. You got the NFL draft coverage right here on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. And then I'll see you, your smiling face on Friday. See you, buddy. Goodbye. Yeah, I think the rabbit's hot. She's all right. Jessica? She's a smoke. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's all right. Yeah, I don't know what Harry was doing killing her. She's, she's, no, hot. she's no Betty Boop. She's definitely better than Minnie, I can tell you that much. Well, if I was ranking those three, uh, I think Betty Boop as a human would have to jettison to number one on my list. You'd hope so, yes. But if I were attracted to any bunny, it would be Jessica Rabbit. She's a human, though. Yeah, you know she's this, not right? a bunny. She's not an actual bunny. No, Roger was the rabbit. Yeah. She's a human. But she was a human that turned into a bunny, right? No, that's no. Shrek. No, what? What? No. Jessica Rabbit's not a human. No, her last name's Rabbit because what Roger. Happened? She married Roger Rabbit. What happened here? Wait a second. Who am I thinking of then? I right, Google machine. Are you thinking of Lola Bunny from Space Jam? Uh-huh. No, that's a female rabbit. Yeah. Oh my God! What? Jessica Rabbit is super hot. And human. I was thinking of the chick from Space Jam. Whoa! The Bell Luminati are at it again with Taco Bell's new $1 triple melt burrito. Loaded with seasoned beef and a decadent blend of three melty cheeses. Three cheeses, one burrito, one dollar. Does that add up to some kind of delicious conspiracy? You do the math. Experience the new $1 triple melt burrito only on the dollar cravings menu at Taco Bell. At participating locations for a limited time, prices may vary tax extra. Oh my God, you know what? Lola Bunny, <laughs> she is hot though. She's still hot, yeah. She, she still is hot. She's uh, she's dating Bugs. That's Bugs's main squeeze. That's Bugs's chick. Yeah, Bugs bangs Lola. 
Damn, bugs. Yesterday, I was giving my scouting reports of every player that we could get to in the NFL draft. Our coverage begins at 7 o'clock tomorrow, right here on ESPN Pittsburgh, also simulcast on Steelers Nation Radio. Yeah! I'm excited about that. But that doesn't mean that we can't have a little fun with it right now. Because while I threw out some scouting reports, Brian threw out some players that I had never heard of before. I had to come up with... Scouting reports on all these guys. I had to go back to my house yesterday and watch the tape. Here are the players that Brian put on my radar yesterday. He's no Jay Bra for Taurus. Come on, Adam. He's no LaFlo Moratori. Come on, he's no Johnston Ernest. I have no idea what you're saying. He's no Jalen Paltry. He's no Red- Reggie Frico. You're so way off. He's no LaShondre Washington. He's got nowhere near the talent of Antuque Carrera. Adam, you're off again. He's no Calandro Hopkins. He didn't have as many as Caladre Malocro. So there you have it. There are nine guys there that we're going to do a little mock draft with. But before we get to the mock draft, is that a coughing fit? <laughs> Dying over here. You all right? Yep. Before we get to the mock draft, I got to give these guys scouting reports. I got to tell Brian and Tom what to expect from each of them. LaFlo Moratori, he's built like a brick bleep house with explosion that we haven't seen out of a player since CJ2K. He's able to get to the second or third level of a defense without breaking a sweat. And he's got a stiff arm that Hope Solo would be proud of. He's an animal in pass protection, but sometimes struggles out of the backfield at catching the football. He was a special teams demon in college with a work ethic of a man you would want to bring home to your mama. If he's still available on day two, I would be surprised. Nay, shocked! His 4-5-5-40 at the Combine was not great, but he was plagued by sleep apnea. Let's see if the Steelers could perhaps make a play for this running back in round one. Johnston Ernest, an undersized corner with a heart of gold that likened him to all the stories he told of past battles won and lost, legends of old. A seasoned veteran in his own time. He's a ball hawk who had a great plant, great drive to the football. He plays the ball in the air so well and is great at combat catches. He's great in run support. He does not shy away from big-time contact. Sometimes, though, he can get swallowed up inside by tight ends and physical receivers, but he should be able to add some weight to get a little heavier in the seat. He's a day-two pick, but some scouts and executives that I've talked to say he's shooting up the draft boards. Calandro Hopkins. This combine hero can make all the throws. He's got all the measurables of a Blake Bortles without all the headaches that Blake Bortles provides. All he does is make plays. He's great at dissecting defenses at the line of scrimmage and because he played in a pro-style system in college, should not have any trouble commanding the huddle. He's a gamer, a winner, this guy, a real field general. There's no other quarterback in this draft that you want with the game on the line. He's got touch, but he can fit it in a tight window if need be. He's great at throwing his receivers open even if they aren't college open. His only knock is that he played behind a bad offensive line and took some shots to the chops. 
but his toughness was apparent. He's a generational talent, and he should be the first pick in the draft. It's a quarterback-driven league, after all. A passing league. And it all starts with the quarterback. Now on to LaShondre Washington. His tape was better than he tested. As a 3-4 outside linebacker, he sets such a violent edge. And he gets off the line so quickly that even Rick Pitino was impressed. His pad level's exceptional. He's got a motor that revs like a Hemi. He converts speed to power better than anybody that I've seen since Lawrence Taylor. But he just does less blow. As far as edge rushers go, you could do no better than this guy. A family man. He's got four kids and is married at the age of 22. He also grew up in a cardboard box like those kids on that Nickelodeon show. Due to that small abode in his upbringing, he's able to win battles in a phone booth and does not need but an inch to take his mile. That's what he said. He's got an array of pass rush moves and sets up defenders late in games. His upside is tremendous. Day one pick. Now on to Antuque Carrero. Carrero. What a high character guy. He once gave pizza and wings to a woman who was living in her car and didn't tape it. He's not flashy. He's not a look at me guy. And he's got so much untapped potential. If you coach him up, he could be a big time sleeper. His physicality at the point of attack is second to nine. He's got all the intangibles that you need, including SEC speed. That's right. Unfortunately, he's a hybrid. The questions will be, where is he going to play at the next level? If he bulks up, he can play end, but he would need some more sand in his pants. Finally, Calandre Malacru. Malacru. Calandre Malacru. That's it. Oh, man, this guy needs some work to slide back into the first few rounds. He looks like Tarzan, but plays like Jane. A man-child that plays like a child-man. While the measurables are off the charts, he does not pass my eye test. His football IQ and motor are of question. So he's definitely not a day-one starter or a plug-and-play guy, but with those paws, he's worth taking a flyer on. He's a height-weight-speed guy, but doesn't have that killer instinct, although his father's in prison for just that. He's quicker than he is fast, but sometimes he can be too fast and it affects his quickness. He'll be a rotational guy who comes off the bench as a spark or a change-up, but perhaps by the stretch run, he can become a playmaker. How about that for a scouting report? It's not hard. Those guys are good. It's in-depth analysis, man. It can't get better than that. Calandre McElroo. Malacro. Calandre Malacro. I don't know his name, but... I'll tell Malacru, you what. Malacru. Caladre Malacru. Malacru. That guy, his tape. Football IQ is a problem, though. Yeah, a little bit. But once you see that tape, I mean, that'll put it... I mean, some of the things this guy can do on the field, just simply amazing. Inhuman. Yin's ready to do the draft. He's on the clock. With the first pick in the 2018 Obscure Players Draft, Brian LaMartina selects... Oh, boy. All right, guys, I'm going to take him off early. I got to take Calandro Hopkins. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, a lot of teams passing on this guy. You may remember the Taco Bell scandal where he lost his last year of eligibility for accepting those free Mexi melts in exchange for money. Who could forget? I mean, that was a serious scandal, but I think he's got that behind him. I think he moves forward, and that's the guy I want on my team. That's a really good pick. A really good pick. And, in fact, I'm jealous that I could not pick Calandro Hopkins. With the second overall pick in the 2018 Obscure Players Draft, Tom Offerman 
picks. We're going to go with Johnston Ernest. Johnston Ernest. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's a good pick. I went with a safe pick there. It's a good pick. I think so, too. Uh, He's undersized. That's what I'm worried about, yeah. He's got such a great heart, though. Uh, You know he's a football player who only cares about football, and that's important. He's a guy who leaves it all on the field. He really does. Every day, day in and day out, he's always the first guy showing up, last guy off the field, and and like I said, leaves it all on the field. A seasoned veteran in his own time. With the third overall pick in the 2018 Obscure Players Draft, Adam Crowley selects and runs to the microphone, in fact. LaShondre Washington. Oh. Look, he's the best speed-to-power guy that I've ever seen since Lawrence Taylor. Bust. I think he's a bust, bust, too, man. Well, the problem here is that he's all upside. I mean, what kind of competition did he even see in college? In well, that conference? It was Grambling. Their band's great. But other than that, the competition, not so much. With the fourth pick in the 2018 Obscure Players Draft... Brian LaMartina selects. Going to go with Entuke Carrera. Yeah. Nice pick. Nice value pick. Yeah, another a nice little side note. Plays the ukulele. Wow. And yeah. he gives pizza and wings to homeless women? Yes. Jeez. Lover and a fighter. That guy. Mm-hmm. He's got that SEC speed. Yeah, it's cool tattoos, too. Mm. With the fifth pick. Getting down to the nitty-gritty. In the 2018 Obscure Players Draft, Thomas Offerman selects... This uh, this pick might send me to the grave, guys, but I'm going to go with LaFlo Moratori. Wow. No! LaFlo Moratori. No! God, no! That's a shocker. Please, no! I hadn't seen a mock draft that had him going in the first round at all, and now here he is, off the table. Wow, off the board. It's LaFleur. It's the second round. So. It is the second round of our draft. Yeah, well, everything I said there just replaced the first with the second and the third. Still applies. No, you can't be doing that. What? You no, can't be doing that. No, it still applies. By the way, we're going to be joined by Isabel Kershadian from the Washington Post. I pick her. In about eight minutes to talk about the Caps-Penguins. But before we get to her, with the pick of Mr. Irrelevant, in the 2018 Obscure Players Draft, Adam Richard Crowley I selects... Kaladre Malakru. Kaladre Malakru. Kaladre Malakru. Shocked he fell that far. Yeah, I, I had him going high, too. Off the field issues definitely gotten away. You see, I'm not shocked because, as I mentioned in my scouting report, this guy, he he's not quite Tarzan, plays like Jane... And he's all upside. I think he can come in day one and improve your bench. But I don't think he can do much more than that. And eventually, he'll have to get better in the weight room. And once he does, I mean, that guy. That guy could win you championships. Well, he said in interviews that he's committed in the offseason to getting himself in better shape, getting stronger. So the guy's got the work ethic. At least he, he says he does. So we'll see, man. I think that's a good pick for your team. I think we nailed that, guys. Yeah. I'm so psyched to have Calandro Hopkins. This guy's going to do good things for my franchise, man. Good things. I mean, it's a quarterback-driven league. It's good things. You you can't win if you don't have that guy, that position. And that's who I would have taken. Although I think if I picked him, I would have converted him to wide receiver. He reminds me a lot of Lamar Jackson. Probably would have flipped him. 
Flipped him to wideout. He can run. He can run. He can also throw, but have you guys seen him run? Yeah, but that throw, though, huh? I mean... Yeah, but have you... Jeez. Brian, are you listening? Yes. Are you even have listening you to me seen here? him I mean, run? Brian, he can change have, the league at the wide receiver position. It's like a gazelle. Th- have you seen that arm, though? Yeah, you know who else had an arm? Cordell. Better wide receiver. Where's Kaepernick? He's not in the league. Must not have worked out for him at quarterback. So I don't think he can work out for... Calandra Hopkins. Yeah, I don't think he can. Brian, you forgot your first-round pick already? No, I did. No, he forgot it. I'm not here to save him. He's bagging on my first-round pick. The guy's got a great arm. You guys, will, you guys will not identify the fact that he can throw the ball. All you want him to do is run. Hey, look at that guy. He's a runner. He can run, run. Yeah. I mean, come on. The guy can throw, too. Don't pigeonhole him. Ian tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. I've always said that my biggest complaint with your show was that there weren't enough dispatch references. What's he talking about? I have no idea. No clue. Like a Breaker Breaker 1-9 type dispatch? Like dispatch on the CB? Well, we've got those all the time. Yeah, I don't know what he's talking about there. Although we haven't had any called in today. No. He's probably pissed because he doesn't know who any of these guys are. That's it. And you know, that's what happens with sports fans. They're like, oh yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, I've heard of him. He's real good. And then like he's sitting there listening to this like, I haven't heard any of those guys. Man, I don't know anything. And it, so now you get pissed at us. Yeah, how dare you, Ian? How dare you, you son of a bitch? Ian. It's a good draft, though. I mean, seriously, though, I'll, I'll tell you what. He can make all the throws. He's like Bortles, except better. Coming up next, from the Washington Post, very pleased to be joined by Isabel Kershadian whose name I will pause before every single time I say it as I reset her in the interview. <laughs> Pens caps tomorrow. Isabel Kershadian next. I'm just going to keep saying it during the break. It's ESPN Pittsburgh. When you're behind the wheel, phone calls and text messages can have deadly consequences. It's no accident. Road crashes are preventable. Drivers who use cell phones are four times more likely to be involved in car wrecks. Stay focused. When you get in the car, put your phone out of reach and silence all notifications. And always set destinations on navigation devices before you leave. Because fewer distractions mean safer roads for everyone. Take the pledge not to drive distracted at togetherforsaferroads.org slash pledge. Dean. Isabel Kershadian. 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 I nailed that shit. Say it with an accent now. Isabel Kershadian. You sure it's not? The Pirates are playing right now, and nobody cares. Literally, nobody is at this game. Uh, I don't often use the word literally. I hate how people misuse it. I am 100% using it correctly right now. Literally, no one's there. The players are there. The coaches are there. Bullpen catchers, all that. But nobody else is at that game, and the station across the street's carrying that game. There's only one game people in town care about, though, and that's Penguins-Capitals Game 1. So joining us now to discuss... From the Washington Post is Isabel Kershadian. Isabel, did I pronounce that correctly? Sorry, Isabel, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't put you through there. Did I pronounce that correctly? Uh, it's Kershudian, Isabel Kershudian. Kershudian. 
Ah, darn. <laughs> Not close enough. I got to get it right. It's Isabel Kershudian. Uh Thank you there so you much go. for taking the time to join us today. Penn's Caps, it's almost a right of spring around here that the Penguins are going to beat the Capitals. This year, I've got uh, a bad feeling that the Capitals are going to be able to win it for the first time in a long time, since 94, in fact. What's the feeling in Washington? Yeah, I think people are still pretty pessimistic. Um, I, I think, you know, there's always this kind of, like, feeling for fans, like, when this series comes around, that, you know, you start to feel, like, a little bit of optimism, like, oh, they played so well against Columbus. and But still, you know, the history, obviously, how Pittsburgh has dominated that matchup. Um, I don't think a lot of people are, like, holding their breath that Washington's going to win. Um especially this team on paper isn't as good as, you know, the past two teams that lost. But um, I think people are certainly encouraged by how the Caps played in that first round. Isabel, the Penguins are obviously banged up going into this series. Uh, Washington looks to be without Burakovsky, at least for the beginning. But the bottom six has changed a lot, uh, as you mentioned, from last year. And really, the roster's changed a bunch. Uh, what do some of the newer guys add that some of the other guys weren't able to add in the postseason. Yeah, I think you've got a little bit more, you know, speed on some players. You know, Chandler Stevenson, who's playing in that um, kind of spot where Burakovsky was on the second line. Um, he's a fast guy. He's not someone who has a ton of offensive finish. Um, but I think he's a good complement to Oshie and Backstrom um, in the sense that he's got some speed and those two are not really known for that. And obviously, they're playing a Pittsburgh team that has a lot of speed. Uh, Christian Juice, you know, he's kind of a mobile, um, really good breakout guy on the defense. And then they've got Verona playing on the fourth line. And, you know, that's a guy who does have a lot of offensive finish and a lot of offensive upside. But um, I just don't think Barry Trotz trusts him to play a ton uh, because he is a little bit of a riskier player defensively. Uh, but he could be kind of a different, you know, depth-wise, like down the lineup. Um, and then, you know, a guy like Devontae Smith-Pelly, he's not a rookie like those other three I mentioned, but he does have a history of kind of showing up in the playoffs and, you know, performing really well. And we saw that in that Columbus series where he scored, you know, two big goals for them. Isabel Kershudian joining us here from the Washington Post here on the Crowley Show. What was said last year by the Capitals, the players in the locker room after the Penguins eliminated them? Were they talking about uh, the uh, gripping of the sticks too tight of the pressure getting to them? Yeah, I think they've acknowledged all of that. You know, they know they have some sort of a mental block when it comes to the second round, and I don't know if that's exclusive to the Penguins, but I think they saw last year, you know, the year before that, the first time the Penguins won the cup of these two, I think Washington kind of knew, hey, that team was just better than us. Like, you know, they were a buzzsaw. You know, we didn't have the bottom six to compete with theirs, et cetera. Last year, I don't think the Caps felt like that. I think they felt like they let an opportunity slip. You know, that was a Pittsburgh team that didn't have Latang. Um, Crosby had missed one game in the series for a concussion. Um, I think the Caps understood that, you know, they had kind of blown it. Um, and that's what maybe made it harder for them. Uh, that and as well the fact that they knew the roster was going to get, you know, not blown up, but there were going to be a lot of changes, which there were, just because of, you know, the salary cap and expansion draft and whatnot. But I think, you know, they've said that 
they have some sort of a, you know, whether it's history or, um, like I said, mental kind of block, they know it's there and it's going to be there until they kind of just overcome it. Isabel, the Capitals' power play is obviously fantastic, and everyone knows about Ovechkin in the left circle, and he'll just pound away. How can it be stopped? How is it stopped whenever teams are slowing it down? Yeah, the thing is it's hard when, like right now, it seems like, you know, with Columbus, they obviously scored like eight power play goals against the Blue Jackets in six games. But with Columbus, they seem to take away Ovechkin, you know, a little bit, and then, you know, Oshie was scoring, or Carlson was scoring from the point. And then they kind of focused in on the other guys, and then it was, you know, Ovechkin again. I think the way I've seen it sometimes get stopped is when you cut off the guy at the half wall. It's trickier now because they've got Kuznetsov and Backstrom both kind of switching the half wall spot. Um, but that seems to be the way that works. Um, if you can cut off the pass, from that half-wall position, then I think you have a chance. But um, if those guys, I mean, if Carlson's, you know, shooting from his spot and, you know, not getting blocked, if, you know, Oshie's hitting from his spot in the middle, um, they're going to find ways to score even if you can take away Ovechkin. That's kind of the danger of it. Everybody thinks, oh, it's so easy, just block, you know, put four (laughs) guys on Ovi. But um, those other guys are pretty good, and they know how to score too. Uh, So if they're doing their job, then, you know, you don't even really need Ovechkin to score there. You can get contributions from other people. The defense this year was middle of the pack, 16th in goals uh, given up. Uh, Carlson, I think, is one heck of a player, and he had a great series uh, from an offensive standpoint uh, against Columbus. Uh, Where are the weak spots there, and who among those six are playing good hockey? Yeah, so I thought all year, and even going into the playoffs, the D was going to be an issue. Um, I mean, they had lost, you know, a few players, you know, notably Carl Osner, Shattenkirk. Nate Schmidt was a big loss in the expansion draft. But that Columbus series, what shocked me was at the end when Tortorella is saying, you know, credit to Washington, they defended really well. We thought we could get to them offensively, but they defended really well. I never thought a coach would be saying that about this Washington defense. <laughs> And I think it's because, you know, Michael Kempney, good trade deadline addition by, you know, the GM. Uh, he's mobile next to Carlson, kind of rounds out that top four. Puts that third pair as it should be. You know, they had Brooks Orpik playing a lot of minutes at the start of the year. I don't think that was good for him. I don't think that was good for the team. They have him now in that third pairing role. You know, he's a crease clear, kind of a physical guy. But um, at the end of the day, he doesn't have a lot of wheels. I think having Juice there who's more mobile helps, uh, but he's a, he's really small. I mean, he's like 160 pounds on a good day. Um, so I think the third pair is maybe where, you know, Pittsburgh is going to try to look to expose it. You know, obviously Niskan and Orlov will probably get the Crosby matchup. That's their top pair. But um, that company, Carlson pair, is playing really well too. And um, I think Barry's going to try to probably shelter that third pairing, if I had to guess. Uh, Isabel, uh, Oshi is not healthy, correct? But he is playing great. Yeah, he's playing through something. Um, he hasn't been on the ice for a morning skate, hasn't been on the ice for a practice, comes out for warm-ups, plays the game. Um, he's definitely, we don't know what it is. I'm sure we'll find out at the end. But he is certainly playing through some sort of a lower body thing. 
What's the mindset of Braden Holpe? Obviously, Philip Grubauer starts the playoffs. He comes in, cleans things up, and he'll be the goaltender, uh, I'd imagine, that Washington's going to go with. He did not have his best season. So what has he said is going through his head, and uh, how do you think he's going to be ready to go in this series? Yeah, I almost think like going through all of that, um, it, it's kind of normal, right, that goaltenders will eventually have like a period of struggles. It's no different than you know, a goal scorer you know, having a 15-game drought. I mean, those things just happen. Um, but when it's a goalie, it's kind of the last line of defense. It looks really bad. And there's another guy who can easily take that spot. Whereas, you know, if Oshie goes through a drought, you're not taking him out of the lineup probably. Um, but I think, you know, Holtby was so steady for four years, and you know, all of a sudden he had a really bad rough stretch. Credit to him, he didn't overreact to it like maybe, you know, everyone else did. Um, he kind of believed that, hey, I'm still a good goaltender. I won the Vesna two years ago. He was a finalist, you know, last year. Um, he was an all-star in January. And then, you know, by the by March, like, he basically had lost the starting job. They were splitting between him and Grubauer. Um, but he just kind of kept going about his business, fighting his time. He was a good teammate. I think he didn't really change anything as far as his, you know, kind of routine or work ethic. And he's got to be coming into this series incredibly confident. I thought he stole games three and five in that Columbus series with his play. Um, and that's, you know, I even think he had struggled a little bit in that Toronto series last year going into the Pittsburgh series where obviously he was outplayed by Flurry. Uh, I think he knows what to expect with the Penguins and kind of how they look for high danger chances. And, you know, they obviously know him really well and they know maybe his weaknesses too, but I think he is in a good place where he's feeling really good about himself and maybe kind of going through that adversity throughout the season has him a little kind of mentally stronger even. Last thing for you, Trot's uh, lame duck coach, his contract is up after the season. Obviously, this playoff run has a lot to do with whether or not he's going to be back. Do you think that that affects the way he's going to coach subconsciously or otherwise? I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I had been looking for examples of other coaches in that spot, and I honestly couldn't think of one uh, where a coach was a lame duck even in the playoffs. Uh, in a way, he has nothing to lose. You know, he has no loyalty to this organization, theoretically. Uh, he can make whatever lineup decisions he thinks are going to – I mean, this is potentially his swan song. We don't know what's going to happen with him. Um, so he can do whatever he wants lineup-wise without any real, you know, future consequences. You know, I don't think he's afraid to bench this person. He obviously wasn't afraid to, you know, go with Grubauer to start the Columbus series. Uh, so I don't think it affects a whole lot. I think he's just going to do what he wants to do. But in a way, he kind of has, like I said, nothing to lose with his decisions and with this series. It might be freeing, I'm not sure, or it might be a pressure thing where he gets tight. Uh, that could go either way. Isabel, really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, have fun covering the series, and we'll see you when you get here in Pittsburgh. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. There she goes. That is Isabel Kershudian from the Washington Post. Her name, I did not say a lot throughout the interview because I was terrified. <laughs> I was scared. I'm not going to lie. Transparency, the number one virtue of the Crowley show. She seemed so nice. She knew a lot about the Washington Capitals, the subject matter that we're covering. I was just terrified to say her name. Kershudian. Kershudian. Up next, Malkin Matters. It's the Crowley Show.
When you're behind the wheel, phone calls and text messages can have deadly consequences. It's no accident. Road crashes are preventable. Drivers who use cell phones are four times more likely to be involved in car wrecks. Stay focused. When you get in the car, put your phone out of reach and silence all notifications. And always set destinations on navigation devices before you leave. Because fewer distractions mean safer roads for everyone. Take the pledge not to drive distracted at togetherforsaferroads.org slash pledge. Ah, Braden Holtby. That's easy to say. Ovechkin. Took me a while to get that one. Kuznetsov. Took me a while. But Karshudian. I mean, that one. That is my Everest. Let's just, Karshudian. Let's just go with Karts. Let's just call her Karts. Isabel Karts. Izzy Karts. Yeah. 